What's good? It's your boy, Donnie Marks Out. I am here with the Gym Rat, and together we are the hosts of the Marky Mark Out Show. And together we are your WWE World Podcast Champions. Welcome to episode three. Back at it! Goodness. Episode three. What a way to start. I figured coming into this third episode we'd start by talking about money in the bank reactions, but I, I don't I don't see how we can do that realistically. I think I think what we've got to do right now is just start off with the news. The big news coming out of the WWE this week, of course, is Roman Reigns getting suspended for 30 days for a wellness policy violation. Let's go ahead and take a listen to the SI Sports Report on this matter. The WWE has suspended Roman Reigns 30 days after the superstar violated the company's talent wellness policy. This is Reigns' first violation, but a second offense is a 60-day suspension, while a third violation could lead to a termination. Reigns took full responsibility, tweeting, quote, I apologize to my family, friends, and fans for my mistake in violating WWE's wellness policy. No excuses. I own it. Reigns recently lost the World Heavyweight Championship belt at this year's Money in the Bank event. So again, that report came from the SI Wire. Jim Rat. Check this out, bro. What's that? Jim Rat. How is this going to impact the WWE moving forward? And what do you think about all of the reports that the company knew about this before Money in the Bank actually started and took place? I think there are so many questions uh, about surrounding this issue. Not only from Roman Reigns' side, but obviously from the WWE side as a whole. How Roman Reigns can let this happen is beyond me. And this is the same stuff as, you know, Major League Baseball players, even football players to some degree. You're a professional athlete. You have to know what you're putting into your body, especially if you are now the guy, as you keep saying you are, and we've thrown the title on you. And then within a few short weeks, we've got ourselves an infraction of wellness, which, you, I mean, that's tough to live down. That's going to take a long time for people to forget that kind of stuff. So from Roman Reigns' standpoint, I don't understand how this even becomes a possibility, uh, how he puts himself in this in, in this position, and how the people that surround him allow him to put himself in this position. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I understand the idea of, well, I took this supplement, and I didn't know that this, that, and the other thing, which is not what Roman Reigns is necessarily saying. But there is no excuse to putting something in your body that is going to spark uh, the wellness uh uh, policy. I mean, it just that can't happen. From WWE's standpoint, if they knew about this before the Money in the Bank pay per view, 
that's a real bad look. Uh, and it's a real bad look to have him go into Money in the Bank. It's a much bigger terrible look to go have him then go into Monday night and have him in a match and have him perform uh, the day after that. They easily could have gotten out, out of this by saying, look, at, you know, we knew uh, about the wellness uh, violation. We wanted to have him come in, drop the belt so we could continue with our storyline and then cut him off of TV. To have him come back on Monday seems insane to me, and it seems like a big risk that they did not necessarily need to take. Uh, if that report is true, uh, I think WWE has a, some major explaining to do. Beyond that, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more, what they do from a storyline standpoint is 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 really difficult to imagine. They have Roman Reigns drop the belt uh, in Money in the Bank, fine, but it's basically to set up the triple threat that we've all been dying to see. How are they going to make that build over the next couple of weeks if he's going to be out for 30 days? Uh, to me, that that is a big hurdle so many questions and i think that wwe frankly just has to address this head on yeah it's tough though because it seems like they've already started the the pr chain of of events where they they made the report it does not appear that they're going to announce specifics about what it was it certainly wasn't weed like a lot of people are saying online it was either a performance enhancing drug that he took knowingly or like you said, he what he was just stupid, took something at GM, bought something from GMC or some online retailer and didn't look at, at what was in, in it. And there's a lot of those weird ingredients out there that probably fail those screening tests. But he, he made a, a huge mistake, obviously. And I don't know if we're ever going to know the story um, because he's already he already came out immediately. Like I'm sure the company asked him to do and basically say own up to the mistake terrible timing just absolutely terrible timing but it all made sense retroactively when you go back and you watch the match and and yes it is unbelievably if they knew before the match took place it opens a whole can of worms on this company and how they handle these infractions i I just can't even begin to understand like like when the match was taking place and and reigns lost clean to Rollins, I just couldn't believe it. Almost that now the Ambrose cash in was was a whole nother, you know, wrinkle to this. But watching the way that they performed in the ring with Reigns essentially behaving like a a full on heel, Rollins acting like a babyface, defeating him clean in his return to the ring, and then when this news broke, it just it was too good to be true when it first happened, and so it's another win for the company as far as like we're not scared to suspend the 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 face of our company you know the future face of our company it sends a message to the locker room but i don't know if it's the necessarily the right message to send especially if they gave him preferential treatment and allowed him to compete not only on sunday but like you said on monday as well yeah and it's i mean it's not a dramatically different than uh like baseball and stuff where you know you can for a lot of times these guys know that they have failed a uh, piss test and then they go out and play for another week or whatever. I have a problem with that. I mean, what's the point in doing this if you're just going to let them go out and perform and then, okay, we'll cut you when it's con- more convenient for us. I, I don't know. I, I have, I definitely have a problem with that. And let's say, I mean, look, we don't, again, we don't know what it is. So let's say he took something 
and he failed a performance uh, or a, a wellness test. He goes into the ring and has a heart attack, right? I mean, WWE, h- how do you get over that? That's conceivable. That's not out of the right. realm of possibility that that could happen, right? Absolutely. The other, the other thing that's that's crazy to me is, you know, clearly WWE said, go out and own it. Okay, so he says, I take full responsibility. But to me, that's not even, that's not necessarily owning it. If you're going to own it, you're going to say, look, it, I fucked up. I took something at, at GNC I shouldn't have. This was what it, what it was. I made a mistake or whatever. Or I've been taking steroids or I smoke weed, whatever. Like owning it to me is saying, this is what I did. I fucked up. It's not saying I take full responsibility. I own it. What are you owning? You haven't told anybody what you're owning. That doesn't make right. any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so as a fan, I got to know more. It, it's definitely the opposite of what happened with Adam Rose uh, back in April when he was suspended he obviously had the the legal issues, the domestic abuse charges filed against him, which led to a suspension. But he was also he explained himself. He said, "I have a prescription for Adderall. I take Adderall. I'm 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 I've been diagnosed with ADD." And he even included a note from a doctor. Not only that, but he had, he had been taking the drug for a fairly long time. Um, now Adderall is of course a drug that is banned in pretty much any sport that you can possibly participate in. Although, it most likely got him in trouble backstage. I, I have a feeling that the company doesn't even want Roman Reigns to admit or to own up officially to what exactly he was doing. I feel like they, they would much rather have it just you know, swept under the rug quickly, considering how much of a high-profile wrestler he is. I mean, he, I, I'm looking at the list right now um, of, of every wellness program violator and most of them, you can tell they're either substance abuse or performance-enhancing drugs. So Booker T has been suspended twice. Uh, Carlito had one. Chavo Guerrero had two. Chris Masters had two. Obviously, I don't think <laughs> it's pretty obvious what why Chris Masters was was suspended. Chris uh, Masters is a big pothead. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dolph Ziggler, I would say, was is, is a high-profile wrestler he he was suspended for 30 days and back in 2008 so it's been a while um edge was suspended for 30 days in 2007 evan Bourne had two suspensions Uh, i'm pretty sure i can't remember i don't want to go on the record with this but i think that had something to do with uh synthetic marijuana i'm pretty sure jeff hardy of course noted known for substance abuse issues been uh suspended twice uh connor was recently suspended for a second time. Kurt Angle was suspended. I'm not naming all these names, by the way, just some of the names that stand out. Randy Orton, super famous for for being suspended twice, having two strikes on his record as of 2012. Rey Mysterio, two suspensions. Rob Van Dam had the famous suspension right after he won the title in 2006. Uh, R-Truth has a suspension. Uh, Umaga had two suspensions. And William Regal had two suspensions. So when you look at that list... Other than Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, and Dolph Ziggler, uh, and, and and then Booker T, I guess, no, none of those names are, you know, a, 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 what I would refer to as like a top guy in the company. Roman, like like at the peak of his current tra- trajectory, to have this happen is pretty stunning, like absolutely stunning, and like you said. I just don't understand how he could let this happen. 
um, because this the, the timing could not be worse. We we are literally never going to see this this match happen. I, I guess they they the thirty days works out perfectly for battleground. So 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 the question is, do you think they're going they're just going to basically just pull him back into the storyline like when this suspension is up and this this will c- continue to carry on like nothing happened? Well, that's what I don't really understand from WWE's standpoint is like. We have a triple threat match for the WWE title that we've been, as fans, wanting to see for years. There is One of the main components is Roman Reigns, obviously, and he's not going to be on TV for the next four weeks. I don't really see how you can build that around just Ambrose and Rollins and say, oh, don't worry, Roman Reigns is really excited about this match, too. He just doesn't want to show up. I think that this was an opportunity, honestly, from WWE's standpoint to say, Okay, we're going to have, uh, like, Reigns, you screwed up. Now we're going to have Rollins and Ambrose go at it at uh, at Battleground. You're going to be off TV for a little bit. Maybe that helps build uh, a little bit of, of a pop when you come back. Uh, people want to actually see you come back. And then we, we set up the triple threat match at SummerSlam. Uh, that would have made a lot of sense to me. So I, I'm definitely surprised at the way that the WWE is handling it and how they're moving forward uh, into Battleground. I mean, this, I mean, the whole thing has just been, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And, and also on WWE standpoint, if you are putting a strap on somebody, man, you got to make sure that he's doing everything by the law. You have to, you can't afford to have this. I mean, anytime you have guys that are in the main event, get pulled out, whether it's even, you know, Seth Rollins from being injured, Daniel Bryan being injured, that just fucks up everything around it. And then other guys need to step up and you got to change storylines. So to have something as stupid as this, which is not obviously injury related, I just, I don't see how Roman Reigns lets it happen. I also don't see how WWE lets it, lets it happen. You got to have people watching the guy that, that has the strap. Yeah, well, I agree with that. But do you think that there's certain wrestlers in the company that they avoid really testing i mean john cena <laughs> i mean you're, if you're telling me that that guy has never taken any kind of weird supplement maybe a little bit of hgh i just don't buy it like i absolutely don't buy it i i'm not saying that the company avoids testing certain wrestlers but i <laughs> Maybe that is what I am. I think that is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, actually, exactly fuck what it. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so I might as well just just stick to my guns here, because because yeah, I mean Daniel Bryan too. I mean he had a period where he was fucking jacked. I mean, ab- like his body changed in a very obvious way over a, like like a nine month span, and then eventually I th- I think he went on record chalking it up as like changing his diet. Um, Organic. Yeah, yeah, he went vegan and then he 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 was non-vegan and 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 yeah he, but yeah I I just feel like there there are wrestlers in the company that Triple H for instance. Do you think he goes through the same fucking testing that Roman Reigns goes through? I, look, I I don't disagree that I, like before this I would have said I definitely think the WWE picks the people like Dolph Ziggler. You're gonna piss in a cup and you're gonna. <laughs> Test positive because right. we don't give a shit. I just this situation is crazy to me because he's got. I mean, he's been he's had the strap like he's ready to go. He's in the main storyline. They've been pushing this guy down our throat for months, and then they're just gonna fucking bury him. Like if there was any way that they could have avoided this, 
I'm hard pressed to believe that they wouldn't have avoided it. Right. The same way that maybe like Casino or Triple H or Daniel Bryan or whoever, all of them have somehow avoided this. Uh, I, I just I can't believe that this happened. The reaction that Roman Reigns got when he came out, like, can you imagine what was going through his head? Because a he's booed relentlessly. Not only that, he gets the most disrespectful chant that a wrestler can possibly get, especially on the eve of a pretty goddamn solid showing in the ring. He gets the dreaded you can't wrestle chant. He's sitting there in the ring knowing that he's about to be suspended. I mean, his reactions have gotten worse. I mean, they've gotten worse. And so when he comes back after 30 days and he hasn't completely owned up to this, are they going to turn him full on heel? Is he going to come back as a heel and embrace the kind of character that he currently has? Or are they going to keep him in this awkward? I'm, I'm going to tell the, the guy, the bros to shut up and drink their beer. And then I'm just going to continue acting like I'm kind of this, this tweener. I mean, I, I just <laughs> turn him heel, have him embrace it. Cause I just don't see how, how they're going to make this work. If, if they're going to, continue to develop his character the way that they've had it for the last year now. I think that that's their only, their only option. I mean, you, how are you going to then after this guy just fudges a, a wellness policy thing, have him come back and try and be like, go get him, you know, little kids, just be your own guy. You can't do that. He's got to come back and say, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. I mean, he's got to be a tough guy. He doesn't give a shit about yeah. anybody. The other thing is even at money in the bank, his facial expressions are telling me, like, I don't give a fuck about anything that's happening here. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, but as I'm watching him come down to the ring and get ready for the match and the match is about to start and as people are booing and whatever, his facial expression is not telling me that he's invested in this. He's It's telling me, I don't really give a fuck. I'm getting a paycheck. Screw you. That should be his character. It shouldn't be some kind of, like, I'm the man, uh, you know, good guy thing. His character should be, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I get a paycheck. I'm going to do whatever yeah. I want. Kind of like the heel uh, Brock Lesnar. Yes, totally. We'll, we'll, we'll keep talking about this as we uh, move through this episode, but uh, let, let's move on for now. The other big piece of news was another suspension. Jerry Lawler was suspended after being arrested for an alleged domestic abuse incident at his home. He was recently ordered to stay away from his fiance after this arrest. And essentially right now it's kind of a mess. Uh, the WWE is staying away from it. They immediately suspended him, which is great. But at this point he's telling one story, his girlfriend who's 27 is telling another story. Um, there've been all sorts of people come out of the woodwork, like Lawler's former wife who has gone on the record saying like, he, she never encountered any kind of abuse from him. Uh, so right now it's just kind of he said, she said. And so this is probably – these cases are usually dropped. Um, the charges are usually dropped. So I would, I would imagine that unless something – unless she's pursuing the charges, um, who knows exactly what happened. But uh, it, it, this is either going to go away and he'll be brought back quickly once the charges are dropped or it could get kind of ugly and we won't see him in commentary for, for quite a while. Uh, what did you think when you saw this news? I mean, this is, you can't 
you can't get into domestic disputes in any sort of entertainment, any sort of sport. I mean, in general, you can't be fucking doing it. But if you're in the public eye, I mean, there's there's just no way you can do it. Jerry uh, says that, you know, she's wasted and he's uh, going to, you know, keep the keys away from her. Good. But Jerry, like, you're a big guy. Just take the keys and fucking leave. Uh, you know, how's she going to get out of there? You don't need to stay there. I think no matter how these situations go down, in some to some degree, uh, the dude has to be has to be blamed. I mean, regardless of what happened, even if she's wasted and she's punching him, you just leave. Just fucking get out of there. Take it. Take her keys and leave. And if that was really the situation, and she woke up the next day and thought to herself, "Well, that was fucking stupid," then I think that this would probably be all be gone uh, by now. That, as far as I know, hasn't happened. Uh, so it's like you said, a little bit of he said, she said. Uh, you can't you can't put yourself in these situations, and whether it's domestic abuse, I mean, it, you can't hit people. It's just fucking dumb. I know you're a wrestler, uh, but you can't be doing that, and especially when you're in your mid sixties, bro. Don't be hitting twenty seven year olds. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I think the the big issue was that the weird the weirdness of that the gun. I, I mean, he's saying that she pulled a gun out and said she was going to kill herself. She's saying that he pulled a gun out, put it on the uh the, like the kitchen counter, and told her to kill herself. I mean, clearly a nasty situation, um, and and it's it's good on the WWE for really sticking to this policy of they don't care what the story is at all. They don't care about the he said, she said. If you are involved in this sort of domestic violence situation, they're going to suspend you just outright. Um, and they've, they've made that clear, which, which is great because obviously there's a lot of other uh, – corporations out there particularly the nfl that are constantly fucking these situations up i mean the ray rice fiasco last year was just absurd so it's clear that the wwe is taking this seriously it sends a message to everyone in the uh organization especially after the adam rose thing too i mean that was by all accounts a simple he took the the phone out of her hand obviously again we don't know what really happened but uh, the the company is certainly sending that message like we're not fucking around with this issue so if you're involved in this in any way we don't care what your story is you're going to be suspended so that that's uh, that's a good thing I think yeah I mean I'm sorry but if if the cops get called and there's a gun involved in any way shape or form you shouldn't be on TV anymore uh, and regardless of if you're in entertainment or not if you're getting the cops called on you for a domestic dispute and there's a gun involved in it you need to step away from what you've been doing and refocus and reevaluate what the hell's going on in your life because that, that shit just can't be happening. Yeah. The other sort of – this isn't quite as newsworthy, definitely, but did you see the reports about this incident with Paige uh, at, after Money in the Bank? Yeah. Uh, going crazy on Albertos. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't really understand what happened there. I don't really get that. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it was anything, but she was in cuffs, right? Yeah, so this is like kind of it seems like a TMZ type story. Um, it's not being addressed at all by the company. Paige has not been suspended. She has the the company hasn't brought it up. Right now, there's a lot of reports that this could possibly be an angle for Total Divas, but that's completely un- unconfirmed. Basically, what we know is that after Money in the Bank, the most recent information says that Paige and Alberto Del Rio went to a nightclub 
in uh, Vegas and got into an altercation with some people in the club. And when they left, Paige and Alberto Del Rio, Paige kind of started talking shit and ended up kind of like in the middle of the street, just jawing at some people. Uh, I don't think an altercation actually took place, but it was, it drew enough attention that people were recording it with their cell phones and uh, she was taken away. Uh, she must have been pretty hysterical. I, I actually don't know the the there. A lot of the information has been has been kept quiet, um, but there there is video of her being taken away in an ambulance and in, uh, in handcuffs. So, uh, kind of a strange story all around. But it didn't affect her appearance on Raw. It looks like it's not going to be affecting her status in the WWE, but, and it could end up on total divas. Uh, there was an incident with her and, uh, uh, one of the other divas, I think Alicia Fox, where they, the same exact story came out where Paige had gotten to this like barroom brawl and it was, it ended up being uh, an angle on total divas. So I'm not really sure what to make of that, but, it was kind of an interesting story that was reported on a lot of outlets. So maybe it'll end up on total divas. Maybe it was just them talking trash and getting into a little, uh, shouting match with some people in Vegas. Um, I'd believe either story to be honest. I just hope they make it. Um, uh, I think that they would have some oddly colored babies. If, <laughs> uh, if they ended up making it, cause she is a very pale broad and he is a, goofy goofy shade uh of like orange so i think that'd be interesting to see you know what that ended up looking like so i hope they make it i hope they can turn it around yeah it's definitely one of the more interesting couples but uh yeah i agree with you i i say I, i'm i'm all in on uh do they have a name uh <laughs> <laughs> they need a name what's their name uh I can't think of anything good. We'll have to come back to that pal. one. It's just pal. pal. Just pal. Alberto Del Rio should just start going by Al. <laughs> I agree with that. I think so. I like yeah, that. Yeah, there's Al. He's in, he's in the ring again. He's got to keep the Del Rio, though, for his heritage. So just Al Del Rio. Al Del Rio. Oh, yeah, I like that. I would say let's talk Money in the Bank, um, but there's a lot that we can get into. I mean – Raw happened, that kind of continued some of the storylines. So let's go ahead and just quickly go through some of the major stuff out of Money in the Bank that doesn't involve the Roman Reigns suspension. Uh, what did you think of the tag match? I thought that it was a, a pretty solid match for the most part. It seemed, the, the entire pay-per-view seemed kind of sloppy to me. It seemed like there were a lot of near botches. There was a pretty awful ref botch on a two count in the tag match terrible uh, where there was uh, Enzo clearly got a three count. There was a lot of people arguing about this online. I have watched it two or three times. It looks like a three count to me. Uh, the way the crowd reacts to it, they thought it was, a, everyone was confused really. Um, so that was a botch or like pretty like midway through the match. Not like the, the 10 minute mark. Um, New Day picks up the win. They they picked up the win. They covered uh, Ando, Anderson and Gallows. Uh, each team got in a, a little bit of offense. Couple of couple of uh, neat spots in there. It was pretty standard. I thought it wasn't bad. It certainly I I think it could have been a little bit better. But I was glad to see New Day pick up the win because clearly they are heading to SummerSlam. 
going for that title held by uh, London and Kendrick. What did you think of the tag match? I thought it was a good opener. Uh, you know, one of the problems that I have sometimes with WWE, and especially with like some of these, you know, tornado tags or whatever the hell they have going on, is like I get it's entertainment and I get that the rules don't really matter. But if the rules don't matter, let's just call it a no holds barred match or something. There's just like no tags are actually being counted. People are in the ring. They're out of the ring. They're fighting on the on the outside. Like. Like, I get it. It's a spot fest. I understand. What, what's the? I just don't understand what the point is in calling it a a certain kind of match and then just being like, well, fuck it. Anybody can can fight anybody. Uh, so I have a little bit of a problem with that. The ref botch thing was, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. In my opinion, if you botch it that bad, like, we got to do – they won. We got to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, how stupid do you think we have to be as fans to watch you go one, two, three? Oh shit! Never mind. He's not supposed to win. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's keep the match going. Can't. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, so I thought I thought there were some good spots. I thought it was a good overall match. Uh, Enzo and Cass. I I, I love that team. Uh, I think they're going to be awesome uh, to have a, like a, a long feud with with the New Day. Um, but I thought you know it was a good match for what it was. A good opener. Uh, and you know, I thought there were the spots there were were solid to get get the crowd in. I thought it was good good crowd uh, participation in the match too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was definitely a solid opener. Um, although I don't know, I don't know what they're doing with Enzo and Cass now, as far as like who they're going to be uh, in a feud with. Because based off of what we saw on Monday, it seems like they're going with uh, New Day versus the Wyatt family. So, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed with that because what was, you know, it sort of looked like everything was going to lead up to this Enzo and Cass thing. Yeah. I love the idea of the Wyatt family against New Day. You know, we could talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. I, that promo, like the interaction between the two of them just didn't didn't hit home for me. Uh, I felt like that was really forced and odd. And <laughs> no, just... let's, let's talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about that in a okay, minute. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so, um, so AJ well, versus think... Cena. What did you think about AJ versus Cena? Great match. Yeah. Instant classic. Yeah, it was uh, really good. I know a lot of people are going to complain about the ending and stuff. I don't really see how it could have gone any other way uh, with, you know, with Cena returning and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you're not going to have anybody necessarily win clean. Uh, I, as a match, it was unbelievable. Uh, anybody that says John Cena can't wrestler, wrestle hasn't been watching wrestling. Uh, yeah. The, I, I understand he's got his you know, same couple of moves that he goes to every time, but he was able to, to hang with AJ, which is not obviously an easy thing to do, but it, it, that was a, an unbelievable match. Yeah. I thought they, I thought they had great chemistry. I thought that the, uh, the energy really, really added to that match. I was hoping it would go 40 minutes. I was hoping that it would end clean. That obviously didn't happen. We had the ref, the, that semi dusty finish where the ref gets knocked out. Gallows and Anderson come out. They beat the shit out of John Cena. AJ picks up the pen. So round one goes to AJ. Um, so we're going to Yeah, have... refs are going down left and right during Money in the Bank. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously this wasn't necessarily uh, as big of a crowd participation as like Hogan and The Rock or anything like that. Um, but I-, I thought the crowd participation was 
I mean, there, it was, there was some heat. Yeah. And sometimes I think you forget as a crowd that really you're part of uh, the match and really part of that environment and, and creating that, that buzz. And I, I just thought that they did a tremendous job, especially in that match. Uh, the buzz that was before that match uh, really felt more powerful than really anything that I, I've seen in the last couple of years. I mean, that was Definitely. that felt like an important match. Uh, that was not necessarily out of WrestleMania, which is is hard. Uh, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's only round one. I am very glad. I was a little nervous that this was going to be a one and done. They were, you know, I predicted that they would put Cena over. So I'm really glad that they went with uh, kind of the finish that they went. You know, having AJ Styles pick up a win is great for that character, especially using heel tactics. I'm very excited for their next matchup. So kudos to WWE for, although they didn't go with the result that I predicted, they I think they made the right call booking-wise. I mean, they, this entire pay-per-view was was booked to almost to make everyone on the internet happy for once. I If you came out of this pay-per-view finding anything booking-wise to complain about, I, you know, just go away. Go away, because... Uh, <laughs> This was pretty much perfect booking for the internet audience. And I don't necessarily completely identify with that audience, but 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 kudos to WWE for uh for not having Cena completely outright destroy AJ, which I know a lot of people were worried about. There was a report today, uh I think World of Wrestling, um can't remember exactly where I saw this, but the report said that when when AJ Styles was hired, you know, Vince, Triple H, a lot of those guys saw him with the ceiling in the low to mid card. So a lot, of, I, I, I wouldn't have even been surprised where if they wanted to put him at NXT first, kind of like what they've been doing with a lot of those NXT or not NXT, excuse me, those TNA, you know, the Eric Youngs, the uh, Austin Aries, a lot of those TNA guys, they're you know, Samoa Joe even. The fact that he's on NXT still, I'm glad that he's there. He's doing some great work with, with uh, you know, he's done some great work with with his feuds there. But I mean, Samoa Joe should be on the main roster. So hopefully he'll get called up with this brand split. But uh, AJ Styles coming in with them thinking that he was going to have a, a, a ceiling in the low to mid card, and then according to this report, Vince was just floored by his reaction. Not only at the Royal Rumble. But just on the road, going to all these house shows, uh, his the crowds are, are consistently hot for him. So uh, they now view AJ Styles after you know six months or so, not quite six months even, in WWE, they view him as a top superstar. Surprise, surprise, right? Yeah. Did you did you listen to Stone Cold's podcast at all with him? I did. It was uh, pretty interesting because because like I said, I I've I know a little bit about AJ Styles, but not as much as a lot of uh, wrestlers, you know, fans of wrestling that have been following his career uh, for, in the Indies for a long time. But uh, that was that was pretty eye opening to to get a, a glimpse at what he's like um, outside of the ring and his story. His story is very interesting, you know, considering how very, very similar to Daniel Bryan in the sense where he was and CM Punk and a lot of these indie guys, his size has always been such an issue, but the motherfucker can go in the ring. So, and he has clearly has work ethic, like, like very few do. So uh, I'm not surprised that he is where he is today. Yeah. I thought the the podcast was interesting uh, when they start talking about like, 
you know, his history and they, they talk about TNA pretty uh, in depth and the new Japan stuff to, to me, a guy like AJ Styles puts so much emphasis on like the importance of experience in wrestling. And he even talked about like, you know, when he was in WCW, he had a uh, shot there. And then when WWE brought WCW, they didn't uh, bring him along. And he was like, that's the best thing that could have happened. Cause if I did, I would have, I wouldn't have made it. I mean, I just would have gotten buried. It wasn't, wasn't my time. I wasn't ready for it. And I think so often, especially as fans, we want to see these new guys come in and we want to see them get opportunity. And that's great. But when they're coming in, when they're like 26, 27, 28, they haven't been in the ring that long and they don't necessarily know how to uh, handle a crowd and how to handle a match. And, uh, and I just think that there's so much to be said for a guy coming in in his mid to late 30s, which in my opinion is like, if you've stayed healthy, that's your prime time as, as a wrestler. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. You get a 24-year-old who's awesome in the ring and you want to throw him in there, and then all of a sudden they're Tyler Breeze, right? And they're right. at the bottom of the card and it's hard to get them up there. Uh, so you get him into into the uh, the WWE and you get him into matches, but is he going to be a guy who's going to make a big impact? Uh, I don't know, you know. So I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's no surprise that he's it, it. It's not a shock to me that they didn't view him as a top guy, but I'm glad that they do now because yes, he's clearly even though he hasn't been in the WWE for very long, he's one of the top wrestlers in the entire world. And so I'm glad that they're they're viewing him as such because it was definitely a worry that he was going to be kind of given that treatment of, you know, back when w, uh, WCW folded into WWE, the way that they booked all those guys um, to this day, the way that they treated a lot of those guys has never sat right with me, even though a lot of the talent that they did pull over from WCW was, you know, it wasn't like they were taking... You know, we didn't get Sting, you know, back in his prime time. We got a, a, a lot of the weaker uh, wrestlers. But still, it's it's nice to see them give AJ a chance because he's flourishing right now in WWE. And he, I feel like his he has had no trouble adjusting to, to the ring style, the work style. Um, he's just killing it, really, especially since they turned him heel. Um, so I cannot wait for their second match up. And... Uh, Let's see. Let's talk. Uh, what about the Money in the Bank match? What did you think of the actual ladder match? I I pretty much don't have too much to say on it. I'm glad that they gave it to Ambrose, but it they've done so many ladder spots over the years that these matches just kind of they don't necessarily bore me. It's just that there's only so much that you can do with a ladder these days that you haven't seen before a lot of the spots look so painful to me that it's just like, it's not even fun watching. I remember uh, a couple of years ago at WrestleMania when they had, it was the ladder match with uh, Luke Harper and Dean Ambrose. I remember watching that match and just the entire time just feeling sick to my stomach. I was like, this is sick. Like this isn't even fun to watch. They're just literally beating the shit out of each other with these heavy ass ladders. And I liked the match a lot. I thought, I thought that everybody came out even you know there was there was one spot that del rio did with the ladder that was just <laughs> disgusting and i i think he might have even gotten uh injured slightly in that match um and it's it's dangerous it's just dangerous so i think that there's an element there for a lot of the people that like watching 
you know, the impending injury. Like it's a, that's what this match is, is good for. Um, it, Cause yeah, we don't have Kofi Kingston or Shelton Benjamin in the match anymore to, to show off like an, an athletic move. It's like everyone in there is in there to, you know, pull off a daring. Sp- Everybody wants that edge spot you know, that edge and Hardy spot and, and you're never going to get an edge and Hardy spot quite the same. So it's just, it's just kind of painful to watch. And, and, and I was uncomfortable for, for large portions of it just cause like we know, we know about concussions. We know about how this stuff, uh, you know, affects these wrestlers and you know, it, it's tough to watch sometimes. I think. I, I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but but that's what that's what I like about these matches. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the, Kevin Owens takes a fucking bump on the side of the ladder. Oh, God, I mean that has to just kill. You have to have a massive bruise. Like your vertebrae is all messed up. I don't know. That's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because like I, it, you know, it's. I grew up watching Foley and Funk and ECW, and so for a little bit of this, like I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, we that that era is long gone, but we get a couple of spots that uh, look like they're legitimately super super painful. Uh, so I don't know. I always like it. Uh, in my opinion, a ladder match definitely is like like you said. I mean, we've seen what we can see with a ladder match, but. It never disappoints. I mean, I, I love the ladder matches. Yeah. I, I think the idea of the money in the bank is awesome. Uh, I'm really happy with the finish because yeah. if they had gone any other way, it just uh, especially now knowing what right. we know with the Roman Reigns stuff, uh, but it it wouldn't have it wouldn't have made any sense. I wonder. I wonder if WWE WWE if I could talk was thinking about going in a different direction before the Roman Reigns thing. If oh, they really knew wonder. about Roman Reigns and uh, his wellness policy thing, right? that could have impacted the uh, the latter match. So Absolutely. I'd be curious about that. Yeah, it really does make you wonder. Uh, it really does. But like we said last episode, they there was no other option. They, no, had, they yeah. had to give it to Ambrose. So again, solid booking. Everybody came out in that match looking great. Uh, they 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 really went for it, and uh, thank God they gave it to Ambrose because they're that's that's what they needed to do, and they did it. So so th- that was great. All right, before we uh, move over to Raw, let's uh, talk briefly because we kind of already discussed it when we talked about the suspension. But uh, do you have any other observations just about the Rollins and Range match, and then the cash in? Um, I, I already said it like I, I was absolutely shocked in the way that for this night reigns worked like an app, like a full on heel. Like he, he really embraced that. Uh, I think your point that he, the, I'm going to have to go back and watch that match and look really study his face and kind of, uh, his expressions. Cause I think that's, that's really interesting that you bring that up. Cause, cause I didn't necessarily notice that Rollins worked as not a full on baby face, but he was he was definitely playing it up way more than he has in the past. I mean, this is his first big match after returning from this injury. And there was almost like that, you know, like a double turn there. Um and then you got the cash in, which was perfect. I you know, we were definitely it's not that we weren't expecting it, but 
I don't know. I just don't, I wasn't completely sure if it was going to happen or not. So, so when it actually did happen and it, they didn't pull that stupid spot where it's a near cash in and Rollins runs away. Um, I, I, I was just, just happy, absolutely happy with, with that decision, the way that it ended. I thought that that was pretty perfect. Um, and it all makes sense now, like we said with Reigns suspension. So, but in general, I thought it was a great match and I, I'm just thrilled at this, uh, this rivalry because it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it was a really good match. Uh, I mean, I said that there was like an 8% chance that he would cash it in. I was really surprised that it ended up happening. Like super, super surprised. Um, I thought the match was really good. JBL talked about it a little bit, uh, as you know, part of kayfabe, but Seth Rollins did look a little bit like, not, I don't want to say apprehensive, but like, like a little bit of a step behind maybe, um, from what I'm used to early in the match. Once the match got moving, uh, I thought he was, he was good to go. He took his first couple bumps and it was like, all right, now I'm back in it. Um, but I thought he was awesome, especially for being out of the ring for as long as he had been, uh, with the Roman Reigns thing, the, the wellness policy, everything makes a lot of sense as far as how it all played out. I don't see any direction other than Seth Rollins has to be a face. I mean, he is a face. Everyone cheers him, uh, except for seven-year-old kids. Uh, I think that they should change that and have everybody cheer him. I mean, everybody would would cheer Seth Rollins if he turned full-on face, which would be easy from the standpoint of he just worked his ass off, came back, won the championship, clean, and then Dean Ambrose comes in and, and beats him. So he doesn't have to be mad about it or anything, but now it starts a feud with, with Dean Ambrose. Uh, and evidently, they're going to keep Roman Reigns in there. But to me, Seth Rollins has to be a face. The other thing I want to touch on with Money Bank before we move on is, do you think it was intentional that the Money in the Bank pay-per-view went 30 minutes long? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're testing longer run times. I, it definitely shocked me. I mean, when it, when we crossed the three-hour mark, I was definitely pretty surprised, um, especially when that match just kept on trucking. I was worried that they were going to cut it short, and I was like, there's no way that they're not going to give this match, uh, you know, traditional length. Um, but yeah, I, they've been they've been, there's been rumors that they've been put they're going to start extending these pay per views a little bit longer. So I think seeing that traditionally they start at eight, they end at ten forty five. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if we start getting these. Uh, they start at eight p.m. Eastern and and move into eleven thirty, you know, four hours even ending at midnight. Um, I think that that's where they're heading, especially with this brand extension, even with a thinner roster. I think that that yeah, they're testing out longer matches without a doubt on the pay per views. I don't really have any problem with it. I actually thought it was kind of cool that it, cause it was like, what the hell's happening? You know, usually you can kind of, you have an idea of, okay, the match exactly. is almost yeah, over. Exactly. But the, ma- the match is basically just starting at 11 o'clock. Exactly. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, the, the one thing I, that I would say is if they continue to do that, which I think they should, what, to me, what made this pay-per-view great was there were four matches. I mean, there was the tag match, there was the AJ Cena match. There was the Money in the Bank, and there was the main event. That's all I need. I don't want you to throw uh, Sheamus versus Apollo Cruz in the middle of it. 
If you tell me that that's going to be uh, on the pre-show, that's fucking great. That means I don't have to watch the pre-show. And, <laughs> and if people want to watch the pre-show, that's fine. But I don't need to see that, and I think it's a waste of time, and it, it's an energy killer. I mean, if you go from the tag match into the Money in the Bank, into Cena and Styles, and into the, uh, the main event, the crowd would have been rip-roaring the entire time. I mean, it would have been absolutely on point. Uh, but throwing in the, these other matches that Baron Corbin's back, okay, you know, I, I don't have any interest in that, and it's, it just drags it on. Yeah. Uh, so if we go longer, that's great, but put the matches that we want to see uh, towards the end. I was not surprised at all that Cruz picked up the win with a roll-up. I definitely saw that coming a mile away, and uh, I'm sure that from from it, it, it looks like they're going to continue that feud, but uh, the, the key is they've just got to really give the time to these characters on, on Raw, on SmackDown. They've just got to do a better job building the, uh, the undercard. Because they're there. I mean, those matches are there, but yeah, we don't necessarily... As much as I like Apollo Crews, there's really no reason to to care about Apollo Crews right now. So uh, hopefully they figure it out because, uh, you know, he's a solid, he's a solid worker and, um, and they've got to go somewhere. I mean, the, the crowd, one of the worst things that you see is when, um, and I think there was an element of this at WrestleMania um, is where you have the, the giant match that goes on for 40 minutes. It's super intense the crowd's emotionally invested in it because that's what happens. It's an emotional experience when you're invested, fully invested in a wrestling match. And anyone that's never experienced that won't necessarily understand what I'm talking about. But when you are, you're, you know, you're fully invested emotionally into a wrestling match, it's exhausting. And so I think that they need those matches that are eight minutes, you know, that Rusev and Titus match, they need that on the card to kind of uh, allow the crowd to have a moment of catharsis and, and re, uh, re-energize, I guess. Because if what happens is if you have too many solid matches in a row that demand your attention and demand that uh, emotional investment, what you can get is really shitty crowd reactions for awesome matches. So I think the reason why you're getting those matches, the, the, the bathroom break matches and the, the undercard matches that you don't necessarily care about is so that when these giant matches come around, you have time to, you know, unwind a little bit and then, you know, care again. And it sucks for those other wrestlers, but that's just the nature of, of, of the performance, you know, art. Yeah, I get that. And, and, I, and I, you know, it's not like I don't care about or I'm not interested in like an Apollo Crews or something. It's just if you if you're not going to spend the time building it up, which they didn't, then I'm not invested. I don't care. And right. I, you know, I get I get the idea of like having that uh, emotional roller coaster that's happening, and then you need a little bit of a break. Um, but if there's four matches, like that's going to last two hours. I think I could stick through a solid two hour match, or t- you know, two hours of uh, emotion through each of these matches. I, I just don't think that I need that to be extended into three or four hours <laughs> right. with little stop gaps of Seamus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a feeling that this is what we're going to see this more often for sure. And I think that your point that 
when it gets to be 10:45, you know, okay, the end is the end is coming. So I think that by th- it throws the crowd off a little bit and it keeps them on their toes, um, so that they can't necessarily predict when the the end is coming. I think that's important. So I definitely see this uh, happening more often. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about Raw. So Money in the Bank, it's of course the end of a pay per view, so we get a lot of matches, rematches, a couple of, of of new feuds blooming. But Raw opens with Dean Ambrose leaving the taxi, forgetting the championship, coming to the ring, uh, going on, you know, be, just cheesing it up as Ambrose is known to do. Roman Reigns comes out. We already talked about it, but he gets shit on by the crowd. He gets booed. He gets the you can't wrestle chance. Ambrose, or excuse me, Rollins comes out, argues that he deserves it. We get the setup for this triple threat match. Um, Shane McMahon comes out. He actually books Reigns versus Rollins to take place. What did you think of Dean Ambrose's first promo opening up to getting getting those you deserve it chance, which was amazing? Absolutely amazing. Because say what you want about Dean Ambrose, but he absolutely deserves that title. And there have been so many opportunities over the last two years, pretty much, where he could have been given that title and it would have made sense. He absolutely has worked his ass off for it. So glad to see him have it. And uh, I thought that the only thing that disappointed me about his opening promo was that he did not replace Michael Cole with a fish tank like he said he was going to do uh, a couple of months ago. That was that was my only uh, the only negative thing I can say. <laughs> that would have been hysterical. Uh, I I thought that this was I thought this was good. Uh, I think that Dean Ambrose does deserve a, a shot with the title, and I think that it should be a, an extended shot. Um, for whatever reason, I I find his promos to be a little bit like too lighthearted for me. Um, I don't love Dean Ambrose's delivery. I love his delivery when he's like Brian Pillman esque. Uh, I don't really love his delivery when it's sort of like nonchalant lightheartedness. Uh, he's kind of like goofy. Yeah, yeah, it's too goofy. I, I just, I can't take it, take him all, all that seriously. Um, so I don't really love that. Uh, but I think overall crowd reaction was great. Uh, I thought it was hysterical that they gave Roman Reigns the "You Can't Wrestle" chant after he oh, just had awful one of his best matches. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fuck. It's like, did you guys fucking watch that? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Seth Rollins got a really good pop. Uh, you know, as I'm watching it and not knowing about the uh, the wellness violation, I'm thinking like, oh, here we go. This is going to be awesome. I mean, this is a great setup. Yeah. Um, when Shane McMahon says. You guys, you know, Reigns and Rollins are going to have a rematch to see, you know, who faces uh, Dean. That was very clearly like, okay, something's going to be fudged later and it's going to be a triple threat, which I geek out on. I mean, I was pumped about that. Yeah. All right. So when we came back, we had uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The, The commentary teams insinuated that this match was going to be the end of their feud. But of course, we get a, a, a match that that ends with Sami Zayn hitting, uh, rolling Owens up for the win. We get a brawl. We get a backstage brawl. Clearly this uh, feud is nowhere near an end. How much longer do you think they're going to keep up 
uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. And then do you think, obviously this feud is historic. It goes back many, many years into many other promotions. They have amazing chemistry. Do you think the way that they've been handling this, their uh, interactions, that it's benefiting both wrestlers? Because to me, I think it's absolutely benefiting Sami Zayn. I think it's pulling Kevin Owens down a little bit. Um, and and that's, been, that's been a worry for me for a while. I don't know if it's helping Kevin Owens out the way that some of his other feuds um, have been. I think that... That, that, that it has potential, definitely. But right now, I'm a little underwhelmed with how it's been going. What about you? I completely agree with that. Uh, I think I think that the perception on Sami Zayn is he's a really good wrestler. It's awesome to watch him wrestle. But you have Kevin Owens, who had come in and beat John Cena and has had some huge wins, and now he's like having this elongated would be a dramatic understatement uh in a, but I'm going to use the word elongated feud with you know a, a very good mid-card guy. Do I see Sami Zayn beating John Cena down the road? No, I don't. I mean, I think Sami Zayn is a awesome intercontinental champion. Uh and I I mean, I, I think that that's what he is. I think Kevin Owens has a chance to be a long-time WWE champion. Uh so I do have a little bit of a problem with continuing this feud because I think you're exactly right. I think it, it helps Sami Zayn, uh, but I think it does hurt Kevin Owens a little bit from a fan's perspective uh, on you know, how, how we perceive him. Right. Uh, I don't really have a problem with, with continuing it if, if the matches happen at pay-per-views. Why we're going to have matches like this match again at a Raw and then it's going to set up a match again at a pay-per-view – I don't love that um, unless it's like, look, we got to put a finish to this and at SummerSlam they have a hell in a cell or something dramatic happens. Then I'm fine. Uh, but to have like every other week we have Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a match of some kind t- together, it just, they, they do a great job. Every match is a solid, you know, B plus to an A, but I've seen it right. and I'm kind of done seeing it. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. I think it helps Sami Zayn. And I don't think it really does anything for Kevin Owens. Yeah. There's really, like, we don't know the character of Sami Zayn well enough now. Because right now it just looks like, oh, here's Cl- uh, Owens. He's being a dick. And here's this guy, Sami Zayn. The average rest, the average fan doesn't really know Sami Zayn yet other than, yes, he's, you know, he's he's athletic. He's, he's gifted in the ring. But, I mean, he's had very limited mic time. So he's kind of, you know, he's replaced Neville. So it's essentially like Kevin Owens and Neville have been feuding for like six months, which it's not really going anywhere because they haven't done a good job making us care about the Sami Zayn character, which, you know, the only people that really care are internet wrestling fans that have been following this feud for a long time. And of course there are a lot of those people um, but I think if they want to be successful in the long term for both wrestlers, particularly Sami Zayn, they need to just end this or or change the dynamic a little bit, um, and then come back to it later. Um, but but I, I I don't know. Hopefully they obviously I think they're gonna have another match at Battleground and we'll see we'll see how it turns out. But um, it definitely feels like very repetitious um, since. 
they kind of started this feud up again on uh, Raw and, and in the on the main roster. We could talk more about this at some other point, but I just want to make a point that I hate Sami Zayn's music. <laughs> you don't like, want the ska. I, I love Sami Zayn bringing ska back to wrestling. That's what John said the other day. Like, okay. I don't know. We'll talk more about this at some point, I'm sure. But I hate that song. And I, I hate that he's like wearing that stupid hat. I just don't like it. I don't like it. And I, it doesn't tell me anything about his character either. Whatever. Keep going. Yeah, the music. Uh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> Definitely agree. Um, so after after this, we had uh, another GM segment where John Laronitis made made his comeback. People Power. People Power comes back and has a somewhat. I've said it so many times already in three episodes of this podcast, but Shane McMahon's character, he's still he's been away from the ring for so long. I don't dislike what he's doing on a week to week basis but he's clearly still dusting off the cobwebs a little bit. And so although he's improved, he's still kind of awkward. And I thought that this was just another segment that kind of fell flat, not because big Johnny, I thought he was great. He was (laughs) hilarious. I don't miss him at all. I'm very glad that just like Teddy long, he comes out. It's like, okay, you're there. Uh, Let's pray that this is just for tonight okay good it's just for tonight see you later john laronitis comes out does his people power stick it's funny for that one time i'm so glad that he's clearly not running smackdown but again this interaction that shane is having with heels with baby faces it's clearly supposed to be a comedic segment and although john laronitis is, is great i just don't think that Shane is pulling it off uh, as like this comedic kind of sarcastic baby face um, that, you know, that that's there to usher in the new era and give the crowd what it wants to see. Um, so, so I, under, I understand the point behind the segment, but do you, do, what do you think about Shane's character in these segments? I mean, do you, he's just kind of awkward, right? Uh, look, Shane has never been a great promo guy, right? Uh, wrestling fans love. I mean, I love Shane. I, I I love him as a just because he'll do fucking whatever. Um, I love the idea of his character, but you you said you know he's kind of awkward. He's horribly awkward. It's not kind of awkward. It's he is awful on TV. It's terrible. It's brutal to watch. And like I'm rooting for him. I don't want him to be so bad. But Shane McMahon is terrible on TV. I don't know if he's dusting off the cobwebs, but like. Those cobwebs are—he's riddled with cobwebs. Those things are not going anywhere. <laughs> it's more than cobwebs. It's more than cobwebs. I mean, he's like swimming in a sea of fucking cobwebs. It's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, he's terrible on TV, and it's really hard because I want to like him and I want to root for him over Stephan- evil Stephanie, but she's so good. Yeah, she's amazing. She's so good that like. You can't. I mean, I, I don't want – no, let's bring Stephanie about. I don't really need to see Shane. I want – like, as a character, it would, it would be awesome if he was right on par with Stephanie. Uh, but he just isn't, and it's brutal. Uh, Laura Knight is coming out is awesome. I love – I'm a, I'm a homer for those. I mean, I love those things. 
and like these random dudes come back. I'm like, ah, hey, there you he love is. The, you love the veteran comeback. Oh, I love it. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> uh, and he did exactly what he should have. He was out there for upwards of what, like four minutes. Tops. Uh, yeah. Then that's all he needed to be. So, and I thought it was really funny when he runs over. I'll run raw then. You know, People power. Great. People power. Uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, so he's awesome. But Shane, I don't know. He's got to figure that shit out. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm, 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 I really think that he's made improvements since he came back. Um, so hopefully it'll just keep getting better every week. But, and it's not like he's getting massive amounts of screen time. You know, he, there, there's a segment. There, it's very repetitious. There's a segment. It, he's he comes out to once again show the audience like this is what you're used to in the past. I'm here to change that. This is what we're gonna do. And then you know the he, the crowd pops and then he moves on. So at least at least. He's not getting the same amount of screen time that the authority and Stephanie McMahon was getting, you know, these 20 minute promos to open raw, because like you said, Stephanie can actually pull that off. Um, and, and that shtick got tired over, you know, a period of literal years, but, uh, Shane can't pull that off and they're not trying to have him pull it off. So at least they're keeping those segments short. So next we had Enzo Amore and Big Cass come out. They had their uh, post-pay-per-view match with the Brooklyn Bartenders, and they beat them. And so what we've seen, uh, spoiler alert for anyone that's going to watch SmackDown tonight, the Brooklyn Bartenders take another loss. And so what we're seeing is the Villains drop to the bottom of the tag team division. Unfortunately, but it appears that the WWE is ending that experiment. They're going to keep continuing to elevate Enzo and Cass. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty short match and uh, it made Enzo and Cass look strong once again. So what, 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 do you, what are your thoughts on seeing the end of the VOD villains in this uh, tag team division elevation? I mean, not that they're going to go away completely, but I feel like they've, they, you know, we, I will not be surprised at all if next week they are facing uh, Breeze Febreze on a main event or something like that. Yeah, I'm fine with this. I mean, the vaudeville is like character sticks like that have a definite shelf life because there's only so much you can really do with it uh, unless you're going to change uh, as time goes. And, and I think that they've rode that out uh, as long as as it as they can. Um I think they belong on, you know, WWE superstars and stuff like that. We don't, that's where they're going. Yeah. We don't need to see them, uh, uh, every Monday and, you know, maybe a little bit of SmackDown time and stuff like that. I think that's fine. Um, Enzo and Cass have bigger and better things that they need to worry about. So I'm, I'm good with that. All right. After that, we had the segment with AJ Styles and the club, uh, AJ Styles came out. He demanded an apology from each member of the club they called Cena out to accept the apologies. Uh, they set up a match with Carl Anderson against John Cena as uh, as payback, essentially for John Cena. And then they came out. They they gave John Cena a beat down. Um, this segment, I thought, and this segment and the match was great. It, it's really nice to see Carl uh, Anderson get some time with John Cena in the ring, even though it was only there to set up this beatdown. Um, I- I'm glad to see them taking the club seriously. I won't be surprised at all if they're the next team to hold 
the the titles. Um, and I just love. I've said it before. I'll say it again. AJ's heel work as like the the dick, the douchebag. He is awesome. He's been absolutely killing it. And this segment was wonderful. He was so funny, kind of putting on his dad voice to the rest of the members of the club. The way that his condescending uh, tone towards Cena, it was just, it was amazing. Um, and, and I thought, I think that their interactions have just been perfect so far. Um, so I, I don't think that they could, that this could have been done any better. I thought it was, it was funny, but at the same time, it made AJ look credible as a heel. Um, it made him look smart and it made him look like he's continuing to one up Cena. So of course Cena's going to get his retribution at some point, but for right now it's making AJ look, look very, uh, solid, which is great. I, I'm, I'm interested that you think that, uh, that it was good that, uh, that he was in the, in the ring with Cena and that you think that the club is going to get a chance at the titles. Um, because from my perspective, I feel like the club just keeps on getting buried a little bit as a tag team entity of their own. And instead they're, they are coming across to me like J and J security or something. Uh, I can see that yeah, a little where, bit, but not where quite. they're like, they're like helping out their, their comrade. Yeah. But like, they can't do anything on their own. Uh, and I don't, I mean, they're a good team. I would like to see that, that happen as far as them being elevated. Um, but I mean, they took the pin at money in the bank and then he gets the crap kicked out of him against Cena. So it is, it's sort of interesting to me of where they're going with that club dynamic because they came in as this like powerful group. Uh, and then by adding AJ, it's like this super group. And, and I just haven't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily feel like they're the dominant force that they were when they first came in. I think that week after week, I've felt like they're taking a step back and I do not need another J and J security. Right. I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, I think that this is a slow burn for them. I think that they're kind of establishing, they're working on the dynamic between the three of them, but I won't be surprised. I think they're going to keep the titles on the new day for a little bit longer, but I think before the end of the year, Gallows and Anderson will have uh, a championship reign without a doubt. All right, next up we've got Baron Corbin versus Zack Ryder, so we can go ahead and keep moving to the uh, Charlotte match. <laughs> uh, we had a title match between Paige and Charlotte. Charlotte picks up the win, and then we had the return of Sasha Banks, which was greatly, greatly anticipated. Uh, Sasha's music hits, and then we had... Uh, Sasha and Paige stand in the ring, uh, kind of taunting uh, Dana and Charlotte. What do you think about the return of Sasha Banks? What do you think it means for the Divas uh, title? Or uh, women's title, I should say. And um, what do you think about, like, what do you think they're going to be doing with Paige, Charlotte, Sasha Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and uh, Dana Brooke as well? Yeah, so, I mean, good to see uh, that, that, Page doesn't get too much heat for whatever happened at Del, with Alberto Del Rio. Uh, it looks like I think, in my opinion, it's probably a total divas kind of situation. I think now all signs point to tag match uh, with Sasha Banks uh, on one side, Charlotte on the other, uh, and then I'm thinking a SummerSlam matchup 
where Sasha Banks gets the strap, becomes a women's champion. Uh, Charlotte's had a long run, but, but I think it's looking like Sasha Banks is is ready to to take over. And then and then that gives you the two matches. You've got Paige and uh, Sasha Banks going up against Charlotte and Dana Brooke, and then that allows you to have a second Divas feud where you can have uh, Natty going up against um, Becky Lynch. Yeah, which I'm I'm totally cool with, and I, I think that it's hard to force this like Natty is now a heel thing, but whatever they do the best that they can with the right. time that they're given. Um, and, uh, I'm interested. I'm actually interested to see what happens with that. I think that that's kind of an interesting matchup. All right. So after this, we get to the return of the Wyatt family. Um, they are clearly the return was amazing. I mean, just seeing all of the cell phones, watching the, the interaction there, Bray Wyatt really is, just in another league he's i'm so glad that he's back it looks like he's dropped a little bit of weight um which i think is good for him um in the ring for sure it'll probably hopefully uh affect him in a positive way with with injuries um they come out they kind of talk about how they're stronger than ever the the only negative thing with with bray Wyatt, the only thing that i can think one can honestly argue uh validly is that some of his shtick is a little repetitive but um i definitely missed it while it was gone that's for sure um i was glad to see him in the ring again what was kind of strange was he wasn't they were interrupted by the new day um and they had this this new day interaction where they were doing their thing uh the wyatts were sitting there not laughing uh so it was a it was kind of a strange juxtaposition of this goofy tag team that sometimes plays it serious in the ring with this completely serious tag team that has been out. They've been injured. They're looking to, to beat the shit out of people. Um, my favorite, absolute favorite part of this segment, 100% was I thought Xavier Woods in this segment was absolutely brilliant. Very subtle. Obviously it wasn't too subtle that, you know, viewers couldn't notice it. But clearly, he was captivated by Bray Wyatt. They're they're teasing this a storyline where Xavier Woods is uh, corrupted by Bray Wyatt in some way, or, or hypnotized, or something there. But the seeds were planted, and I thought the way that Exa- like that could have come off very corny, that could have come off as very stupid. Um, but I think that the way that they that all three of the members of the New Day handled that segment and that storytelling brilliantly, I thought that their initial interaction like like if that if that segment hadn't happened that way that would have been completely stupid um seeing the new day kind of come out and do their shtick with uh the wyatts it would have been like you know john cena the way that he used to cut ridiculous john pg john cena jokes against a character like the wyatts it just it was too silly but the 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 work that Xavier Woods was doing was just absolutely phenomenal there, um, and that was that was definitely a highlight on Raw for me, was that that subtle storytelling because that was that was brilliant. Um, I actually saw the, uh, something really funny. This is a quick tangent. Xavier Woods was uh, with his channel Up Up Down Down doing a lot at E3 uh, last week, and um, he referred to his job as a professional wrestler. He was talking to somebody and uh, they were interviewing him. And he was explaining that he couldn't uh, 
network with them for from Sunday to Wednesday because he had to go professional LARP for those days. <laughs> and I thought his, <laughs> his his him referring to his career as a professional LARPer was absolutely his, hysterical because um, that's essentially what he is doing. Um, and and yeah, I thought that that that, that, that the segment overall was I, I'm glad that they're going to put the Wyatt's into this feud with the new day. I think that that's going to be a, a major challenge for the new day. I don't think that the Wyatt's are going to win the titles. So, I mean, <laughs> who knows how they're going to book Bray Wyatt from here on out. But, um, I thought that it was a solid promo by Bray. It's great to see him in the ring again. And I'm definitely looking forward to, to this feud. Definitely. Yeah. I, I thought, I mean, it's awesome to see the Wyatt's back They're one of the best things that WWE has. The Wyatts have a, a tough situation, though, because they're characters that are needed in wrestling. They're sort of like larger-than-life, like superhuman supernatural, something yeah. or another, like character, supernatural, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, if you don't, if it's not handled the right way, it comes off as stupid. Right. And... And so there is this really, really fine line where they have to they have to stay uh, on it that you, you don't want to come across overly serious because that looks foolish, like you're you're a zombie or something, and you you don't want to be on the other side uh, where it's taken too lightly. So it's really tough. I I didn't I don't love I love the idea of the of these two teams uh, in a feud. I didn't love how this came across um, because it is just such a huge juxtaposition. Like it's difficult for me to, to see and get excited about, um, about both of those teams doing battle because they're so different. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily see why they would want to be in a feud yet. I don't, I don't understand that uh, at this point, obviously there's plenty of time to, to be able to articulate that and get that across. I think you're right if, if you know, Xavier Woods can kind of lead the way. I hope they don't go down the same storyline as they had with, with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, you've got to be careful with that. Uh, but as far as, like, these two teams, like, they have to they have, to have a few. Um, yeah. They're two of the, of the biggest teams and uh, biggest things, really, in the WWE. So having them return and face the New Day, I think, is, is a cool idea. I don't know that I loved the segment and I think it's just, it's a tough line to walk uh, of being serious and ta- being taken serious, but also being this like supernatural being, you know? Right. I think it's going to just matter where they, where they go from here. Um, if they can, if they, if they can encroach on a corruption storyline, that's not nearly as shoehorned as the one that they did with Daniel Bryan. Um, that, cause that storyline just to this day, I'll ne- I'll never understand why they tried to throw that in there at the worst possible time, you know, just to keep Daniel Bryan away from the main event scene, um, even though it created, you know, a, a, a generational story um, that will, will never be forgotten. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that we got that, that the results of that happening. I don't think that that's where they're going to go with this Xavier Woods storyline. I'm certainly hoping that this doesn't lead to uh, a dissolution of the New Day. I mean, the New Day, for me, 
they're hit or miss some things that they do. I don't necessarily think, you know, they're going for comedy and I don't necessarily think it's funny, but they, they are by far one of the most entertaining and talented groups. And it's been, it's been amazing to see them uh, take that gimmick to where it is now. And I can't imagine that, that we're nearing the end of it, but with the brand split coming up, I don't know um, that it seems like they are, they are teasing some tension there. Um, so we'll see. I think, I think it's too early to speculate on wh- what they're going to do with this. Um, but, but I loved that interaction without a doubt. Um, so we had a Rusev and Titus O'Neil segment um, where Titus O'Neil showed a little bit of aggression. Uh, we had Chris Jericho and Shane McMahon kind of get into it backstage where Chris Jericho called him out on being lame and uh, basically m- would much rather work for Stephanie McMahon. Do you have any major contributions for either one of those segments? Not particularly. <laughs> okay. uh, Chris Jericho's yeah. funny as shit. Um, Titus O'Neil, I, I, he's trying. He's trying. It's just I can't take him overly serious. Um, so fillers, really, you know. All right. So then we ended with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. We ended with uh, we ended with um, Ambrose hitting them both with the dirty deeds and standing tall at the end. I thought that this was another tease of this triple threat match that just does a good job. Um, we got more. You can't wrestle chance for uh, Reigns, um, which is just absolutely pathetic. But um, these three wrestlers just do a great job working together. They have amazing chemistry. You can tell that they're close backstage. This is going to this storyline and these relationships will never leave this trio. I mean, they, they debuted together. What they've done for the company is just outstanding. Um, they are, they are the top. They're in the top five of all the wrestlers in the company right now. And, and that's just a testament to, you know how they they the WWE hasn't always done a good job booking them but i mean they they created and since 2012 they took three un, previously fairly unknown wrestlers except for the diehard wrestlers that followed John Moxley and uh, the diehard wrestlers that followed Tyler Black um but other than that they took three you know besides that population of of fans of the product they took three wrestlers and they built them into real legitimate stars. And that's that's something that they really needed to do with John Cena's career winding down. And even though Roman Reigns has kind of fucked up with this, uh, this infraction at the worst possible time, it certainly led to Ambrose getting the strap, which is great for his career, great for his character. And uh, I'm, I really just can't wait for... Um, this triple threat match and I'm really excited to see how they're I, I love seeing Ambrose kind of end up on top as a badass very stone coldish if if I might say so very stone coldish and I like that what did you think of this final segment in Raw I think it did exactly what it needed to do I think it's cool for him to be like you know what screw it I'll, I'll take on both of you I thought it was this was like a very stone cold-esque kind of moment um which i thought was was pretty neat uh this is the that's the kind of character that that dean needs to be he needs to be more stone cold more like dean ambrose Definitely. i think he tried like 
Stone Cold had kind of those one-liners and stuff, especially as he got later in his career um, that got over so hard as far as, like, humor. He teeters in between this, like, Stone Cold, Brian Pillman thing, which is, uh, that's what I think he needs to do. Um, But I think sometimes the humor gets in the way. I thought the ending of this and how he handled himself was, like, the type of character that he needs to be. Uh, I love that he stands tall at the end so they don't, you know, make kind of, like, diminish what he did as far as winning the title. Uh, I think that's important. Um, and I think it's pretty cool for him to, to say, I'll take on both, uh, both challengers. Uh, regardless of, of what happens, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how WWE handles the Roman Reigns thing over the next couple of weeks. I mean, I think that's what you walk away with is how the hell do they keep him involved, interesting and relevant uh, in a triple threat match that we've all been waiting for when he's not even on TV. So, I don't know. I, I think this will, this will be an interesting uh, interesting couple weeks. I totally agree. And with that, we now move on to the Smarky Heartache Moment of the Week and the Marky Markout Moment of the Week. The Smarky Heartache Moment of the Week being our biggest complaint with Raw and the Marky Markout Moment of the Week being our biggest compliment. Let's go ahead and start with complaints. Personally, my smarky heartache moment of the week is the stupid crowd, the jackasses chanting, you can't wrestle at Roman Reigns. Just fuck off. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, my, my heartache moment of the week is unfortunately Shane McMahon. Uh, <laughs> I felt I felt uneasy watching that segment with Laurenitis. I wanna love Shane, but come on, Shane! Pull it together. Yeah. Awkward as fuck, that's for sure. Alright, Marky Mark out moment of the week. Our biggest compliments. My biggest compliment by far is the return of the Wyatt family. Good to see Bray in the ring again. And uh just that segment in general will be my biggest compliment. But I'd like to give a shout out to Xavier Woods for the subtle, uh, his his thespian skills, if you will. I thought he was fantastic, and I thought that that was a great segment. What about you? Marky Markout Moment of the Week for B- the Gym Rat. Uh, I got to tell you, I thought it was the booking at the end to, like I said just a couple minutes ago, not to diminish Dean Ambrose's title win. He is the champ. Uh, I was a little worried that he'd win the title and we'd go to raw and he'd get the crap beaten out of him. Um, which to me kind of diminishes the, the title, uh, or the, the way he won the title, but having him stand tall at the end of raw hit dirty deeds. I think that that looks, uh, is a really good look, uh, and a great booking decision from WWE. That wraps up our compliments and complaints for raw. Let's go ahead and before we end, we once again, we are Donnie Marks out and the Jim Rat. This is the Marky Markout Show. It is available at soundcloud.com slash the Marky Markout Show. We are available on iTunes at the Marky Markout Show. You can find us on Twitter at Donnie Marks Out and at JC Moynihan15. And now it is time for promo of the week. You're a Celtics fan? The NBA draft is a a mere uh, couple of hours away. 
Celtics have the third pick along with a slew of other picks in the first round. Your promo for the end of our third episode is going to be from the perspective of, uh, I guess, just Celtics fans in general, Celtics front office. Who should the Celtics pick? Are you ready? I am. All right. We'll see you later. (laughs) Who should the Celtics pick? It doesn't matter who the Celtics pick because the Celtics have eight picks in the 2016 NBA draft. It doesn't matter if they pick. It doesn't matter if they trade. It doesn't matter if they stay where they are. Isaiah Thomas, Danny Ainge, and Brad Stevens know exactly what they're doing, and that's bringing a title to Boston. That may be with picks. That may be with Kevin Durant. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because we put ourselves in a position to win, and that's what we're going to do. Celtic Nation, let me hear your own.